I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Kathy Tu. I co-host WNYC's Nancy, and this is OPP. God bless everybody and welcome to another episode of OPP, Other People's Podcasts, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Kathy Tu, host of WNYC's hit show, Nancy. Kathy Tu, along with her co-host Tobin Lowe, tell provocative stories and have frank conversations about the LGBTQ community. In this interview, I stopped by WNYC Studios to chat with Kathy about her upbringing in L.A., how she landed at WNYC, and of course, we get into her dope show, Nancy. So, allow me to introduce you to Kathy Tu. Wow. <laughs> Kathy Tu, what it do? Uh, things are good. I think we're in production, you know, in the ideas phase, which is like, um, how do we describe it recently? It's kind of like the pit of hell. <laughs> <laughs> And you're just Explain like that. you're just like waiting in hell, you know, being like, "Is there any idea here that'll bring me out of hell?" Yeah, no? yeah. cool. We'll just go back to swimming. It, it's nice <laughs> being here at uh, WNYC. Y'all got some nice digs in here. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. It's I, great. We they they try their best. <laughs> you, you even got the apparel on. <laughs> yeah, this is my my work work sweatshirt. Oh, it I keeps dig me it. warm because it can get real cold in the offices. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you from? I'm from uh, Los Angeles. Well, like the burbs of Los Angeles. Yo, I have a lot of love for LA. Yeah. I, I've been really pondering making a move out there. I think everybody has. Yes. I'm always thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's um the it's it's taken me a couple of times to really get adjusted. I think Uber really helped mm. like New Yorkers adjust mm-hmm. to like LA life. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, I guess just still get the Uber skirt skirt. You know what I mean? Yeah, I read somewhere that like now they're saying LA is one of the cities where you don't need a car. And I'm like, what? No, no. When did that happen? No, I have friends that are there with no car. What? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the car, not having the car in L.A., too, kind of helps, like, democratize the situation. Like, one thing I like about mm. New York City is that, yo, it doesn't really matter uh, what kind of car you drive. You can't judge me based on my car. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Ma- maybe my shoes, but mm-hmm. but not the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, your shoes in New York is your car. <laughs> that That's your Lamborghini. Wow, okay. Well, now I feel self-conscious about my shoes. No, 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 not, okay. I mean, no, no not okay. at all. But, I mean, shoes always say something about you. Dude, I guess I've never noticed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love, well, because I grew up in L.A., I try to wear sandals as much as possible. Oh, so I'm not even right, in right, shoes. right, right, right. Maybe it's like a regional uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But I do know that, um, may, I'm going to stereotype now. Yeah, don't guys, do <laughs> Guys tend to love, like, their sneakers. Totally. And I'm not one of those people. Yeah. And so I can I can see that. I can see that happen. Yeah, I, I feel like that's like our, our it's our way of, uh, it's like our purse. 
You know what mm, I mean? I, it, it, okay. It's like, oh, oh, wow, he has on the new J's? Ooh. I, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Like, like, what are those, the OBJs? Oh, those are $200. Oh, those are limited. The Travis Scotts? Ooh. I can get I can get into that. I um I am obsessed with backpacks. It's Ooh. a very specific thing that I feel like just me and maybe like a hundred other people in the world are really into. But that's also a regional thing too. In New York, your backpack is a thing. Because oh. you need a backpack. I mean, yes, but I also started this like a while ago. What's your favorite brand? Uh, I can't name my favorite brand. There's too many. What was your high school brand? Like, what was the backpack you went to? Um, okay, high school, I wasn't as into it yet because, you know, didn't actually have any money then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a classic Jansport, you know. Oh, Jansport was yeah, the business. That's fine. With the suede that's bottom. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different colors. That was that was fine. But then, like, I got into, I went to college and... And suddenly I was like, oh, I don't have to use, like, a school backpack anymore. Oh, yeah. Wait, so, what did so you graduate to? So, like, what the kind of backpacks that I'm really into are things that, backpacks that are, like, sleek and small. Okay. But not dainty. Okay. And, mul- and preferably multi-use. So, if I needed to go to work... If I needed to go to like a to the gym later, if I needed to go hiking one weekend, if I can just use one backpack for that, great. That doesn't exist yet. Okay. I'm still looking for it, but I spend way too much money on backpacks. Yeah. What What is like the backpack like cost? Like, what, what are like the high levels and what are kind of like the medium levels? I I don't think I don't think I can I can say because I will feel bad. <laughs> 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 to be fair, though, I can't drink, so I save a lot of money on alcohol oh. that I then funnel into this backpack addiction. I have like a, a a trunk, like a wooden trunk at home that's just backpacks that I like kind of rotate through and decide which one I'm going to use for this season of my life. <laughs> As not drinking uh, adjusted, uh, how, how has not drinking changed your life or made your life? Oh, I've never way? really been able to drink, so I don't know. It's just it's just a thing that I haven't been able to to do ever explain that in further context of like why oh i think i just like i don't think i'm allergic to alcohol because i think when you're allergic you like go to the hospital it's really bad i think i'm just highly intolerant and it makes me feel really bad and nauseous and i will throw up and so i just don't get i just don't drink because i don't want to feel bad my boy my boy arnold um he's korean Mm -hmm. and he was saying that like that he has like a like an asian glow or oh yeah 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 there's like an allergy that to alcohol that he has mm-hmm. and it it's makes him common. feel like really, really bad. So maybe, yeah. It it's a, it's probably that just a little bit more intense. And I know that like, it's possible if you drink enough consistently, you can probably like wear that, whatever that is down. And then I could be like a normal drinker. So if you but drink more. If I drink more, <laughs> I probably could get to a point where I could just drink socially, but like the, trying to get from there to from where I am to there just seems like a lot of throwing up and I just don't kind of want to no, do that. No, no, no. I don't so, want that for you. So I think I think my brother has the same thing, but he got rid of it in college. So <laughs> you well, didn't have to worry about it. Where'd you go to school? UCLA. Yeah, what was it like at UCLA? It was great. I love UCLA. I still love UCLA. Big fan of the football team. That sucks. Oh, but yeah, recently, we did win one game. <laughs> Wait, who, who, who'd you win against? Washington State. Okay. They were ranked 19. I don't know what they are now. They're kind of formidable. Yeah. And we won by coming back from, uh, it was 49 to 17 in the third quarter or something like that. 
and we came back and we won it by like three or four points. Hell yeah, rocking out. Yeah. It's like the only sport I watch now. (laughs) What was it like growing up in L.A. and then going to school in in L.A.? Um, Well, I grew up in Diamond Bar, which is like a suburb of L.A. It's very close, right on the border between L.A. County and Orange County. Okay. Um, It's also a very Asian uh, community. Uh, it's a it's also a wealthy community in that like there's this gated portion of Diamond Bar that just has million dollar homes. I was not part of the gated portion, unfortunately. That would have been real cool. Well, well also but, fortunately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But 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 maybe if I was in the gated portion, I could have been friends with Snoop Dogg's mom, who okay. was a resident. Okay. okay. Yeah. So well, maybe, unfortunately. <laughs> in that case, since you put it that way. Yeah, and I think Snoop Dogg's son or sons, I don't know. I think they went to my high school after I graduated. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, but so that, so it was a very, it was like, I think the school was like 40 or 50% Asian. I would say mostly Korean. And so I always felt like most of my friends were Asian. Like it was like, it felt segregated. It yeah. felt like it was like, the 50% of us were Asian, like, stuck together. And then everybody else sort of also stuck together. And then unless you were, like, popular enough or in student government, there wasn't that much mixing that I recall seeing. Maybe there was, and I just didn't see it. But, yeah, that so that's what I felt like high school was like in Diamond Bar. And then I went to UCLA for college, and um, I feel like it was definitely more... Um, integrated in a way um but i think that was the time when i was like oh i'm chinese like it was like a time for me to be proud of the fact that i was asian so i got really into all these different like asian clubs like there was i was part of i was part of um the association for chinese americans i did like uh lion dancing and then i was doing taiko which is like a japanese drumming art um and so by the time I graduated from college, I was like, all of my friends are still Asian, <laughs> <laughs> except for my coworkers. <laughs> hey, what was it like in, in high school being a part of, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a black man, uh, you're an Asian woman, uh-huh. um, being well, everywhere I go, typically I'm the minority in a space. Yeah. I've never been, uh, have, I've had very few situations in life where I was a part of my culture was the majority. Uh-huh. So what was it like being a part uh, in high school, having 50% of the school being uh, Asian? It felt just like very normal. I mean, like, because I've been there since I, I, we've been in Devon Bar since I was in third grade, I want to say. Yeah. So it was just always so normal. In fact, if anything, I think part of me felt like I was like more Korean because most of my friends were Korean. Okay. Um. So it just, I don't know, it just was, it was like a normal fact of life. Like, it's not like we went out and like hung out with people who were not Asian. It was just school and home, friend's house. So like my life was just full of Asian people all the time. Was it adjustment going to UCLA and having to, having that not be the reality? Surprisingly, no, because UCLA is also very Asian. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Not as, uh, I feel like not as Asian as UC Irvine. I think Irvine has a larger population of Asian students. But UCLA also has like a good portion. I think that's why um, when I got there, um, it was like, I remember in high school, there wasn't, you know, as much like Asian pride, like be proud of that you're Chinese and get, get involved in these 
in these clubs. In at UCLA, there were a lot of Asian um, students there, and they were proud of the fact that they were Asian, and that's why these clubs all existed to like get to know each other and learn about things and try different arts and stuff like that. And so I was super into that because I was like, this is the thing I'm a part of. Yeah. Um, like off the bat. So it actually wasn't until I went to law school a few years after I graduated, and that was in Boston, was the first time I felt like in a school setting, I was in the minority. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. I've never felt this way before. What, was, was it adjustment at all? Yeah, I would think so. I, I, I think it was. I don't think it was like, I don't think it was a difficult, difficult adjustment, but it definitely, I, I definitely felt like, I was explaining things a little bit more. Yeah. There were fewer people who like celebrated the same things I did every year. Um, like Chinese New Year is a big thing and it happens across a lot of Asian cultures. Um, and so we all kind of like know that's the time. Uh, and I remember being in law school, it was a little bit less. It was less that. And also at the same time, I was like, I was feeling like I needed to expand my horizons in terms of friends and like, the, the type of friends I kept around me. So even though in law school there was also like an Asian Pacific Islander group, I was like, I'm not going to do the same thing I did in college where I only surrounded with people, I only surrounded myself with people I was comfortable with. And instead I really tried to embrace like these little, there was like a, um, my law school is broken down into like um, a bunch of different little groups. And I really tried to um, hang out with people in my group because I don't know if they tried to break it down so that there was like a diverse group of people in one little group. Yeah. But it just happened that my group was that way. So I tried to hang out with them as much as I could. And as a result of that, I had like lasting friendships because also law school. So it's like going, sometimes it feels like it's going to war together. But in the end, I felt like even though I was in a place that where I, I wasn't used to being, you know, I'm not used, I'm just, I wasn't, I hadn't been my entire life being used to being the minority. I felt like I had such good friends around me that it, like, it didn't matter in the end. Oh, was law your focus at UCLA? No. Oh, my God. I focused on so many things at UCLA. Yeah, what was your major there? <laughs> Which one? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I went to UCLA as a laughable math major. Okay. <laughs> because math was easy for me in high school. I was very good at high school math. And then, like, college math was, like, more variables than numbers. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> so I was, like, a math major. I was an econ major. I was an international econ major. By the end, I was um, international development, which just uh, basically studied, like, uh, developing countries and how they've moved through time and, you know, what they're facing in the future, that sort of thing. And um, And then I was, like... I think I was a political science minor and a classical civilizations Gracious. minor. I really like school. Wow. It's a thing I know how to do. You, you, you know what I really admire about you? You have a, a, a diversity in your intelligence. <laughs> you, I, you I appreciate I mean? that. I appreciate like, that. Like, I feel like I'm intelligent in like three things. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Sneakers, sneakers um, podcasting, and like, I don't know, sports. That's kind of it. Or music. What 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 is your what's your team? What are your teams? So New York Knicks basketball. Okay, okay. Um, my football team. I'm kind of right right now trying to figure it out. Like I, I feel that way too. Yeah, you know? I, I grew up with 
the team in Washington, but I cannot say their name because it's racist and mm. I, it drives me oh, nuts that's tough. And, I, and I feel ashamed. That's tough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to be ashamed of my team. I mean, they already are they're losers too on top of that. <laughs> so not only are you <laughs> are you a loser, but you feel like a loser after every game. Yeah. You got blown out of Monday Night Football against the Bears the other night. But Oof. then also it offends people and I'm like, I, I just don't know. So football, I'm kind of going through the motions and trying yeah. to figure it out. And I like the Yankees. The Yankees. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh, obviously you have, you have, are you a Dodgers fan? I am a Dodgers fan. Okay. Um, I'm a Dodgers fan, but I am a Anaheim Ducks fan. Oh yes. Yeah. I just live closer to, I think I lived closer to Anaheim than I did to Staples Center. Yeah. So definitely a Ducks fan. Also love the movies. Um, and I am, I can't decide. I don't like basketball enough to really have a team. So that's. Just say, just say the next. <laughs> okay, but I feel like you can't just do that. Why? Right? Because like if I say that, then people are gonna be like, "You're you're not truly a Knicks fan if you haven't been a fan for like." Trust me, the Knicks need fans. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the reputation of the Knicks? Garbaggio. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> terrible. They're so trash. It's like it's unbelievable. The only thing that ke- that keeps me loyal and keeps me so into the team is number one. Like I was doing research today um. that they're the only. Uh, there's two teams in the NBA that have never left their founding city. And oh. New York is one, and the Celtics is the other. Okay. Every other team started somewhere yes. else and then moved. Yeah. So we have a very loyal, rich tradition, and uh-huh. I like that. And I also love, there's nothing like going to the Garden. There's nothing um, like catching yes. a basketball game yes, at the yes. Garden. It, it, yes. it just feels like this is where basketball was meant to be played. Mm. <laughs> you know? Okay. So it, okay. It, it keeps me in. The Knicks, it's... The word is short for knickerbocker, Knickerbockers, right? yeah. I learned recently that that means, like, the people. Ooh, does it really? No? Does, is, that, is that not true? Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> Kathy, we're going to take a quick break. When we okay. get back, we're going to get into your podcast. Nancy. Sure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And yeah, we back. No, 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 hold on. Like, like, like Kathy, we were, hmm. we were talking about you were studying law. law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did you get into media? Oh, man. Let's see. I graduated from law school in okay. 2013. And already by like the last quarter, I was kind of like, I don't think I'm going to do this, which is hilarious because for the first like three years, Anytime any one of my classmates was like, I don't think I'm going to do law. I think I have to quit. I was like, no, <laughs> we're in it together. Fight and through, then, persevere. Exactly. And then um, by the end, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and then I graduated and I applied to this program called Transom, which is um, basically like a like a radio or a podcasting boot camp in Cape Cod. Okay. It's very expensive. But if you can afford it, it's a great education. I don't think that like nowadays with all the with all the resources out there, it's absolutely necessary. But if you have the opportunity to go and that's something you want to do, especially um, it was great for me because 
I can do school. So I was like, I'm going to go learn how to do something like this. So I did that because I was like, I'm going to apply to this program. If they accept me, I'm going to do it. If not, I think I'm going to turn my life to like the technology world because that's something I've always been interested in. I'm still interested in. And I, I just don't know when I'm going to turn my life again in that direction. But um, they accepted me. I went. I met Tobin, my co-host Tobin Lowe. Okay. We were in the same class. Um, we were the only non-white um, people in the class and the only people who are also queer. So clearly we were like going to be best friends or mortal enemies. Luckily it worked out yeah, in our favor. I, I say so. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Transom, I went to, I went back home. I went to LA, uh, took and failed the bar exam. <laughs> and then um, I just started freelancing as uh, as like a, I, I called it a, a technical, technical producer i took other i worked on other people's shows i took like their scripts and their audio and i made the show um in pro tools um for them and then we would just go through rounds of edits and that sort of thing so i really enjoyed doing that that was um that was fun i really liked it at the same time tobin went to new york he was working at marketplace and he had this idea for this show basically he called it like a queer this american life yeah and i was like Okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I can work on it with you, like just in our own time. But I was definitely following his lead. And he'd been talking about it, talking about it. And then at one point, WNYC, our home station, um, put out this contest called the WNYC's uh, Podcast Accelerator. And we decided that we were going to use that contest as a way for us to get our thoughts down on paper because we hadn't made any moves okay. <laughs> it's hard to work on a thing in your spare time when you have a full-time job i think most people know that it's difficult but um since i was a freelancer i had a flexible schedule tobin was work working like the um early shift at marketplace so he was kind of done around 1 or 2 p.m every day and so the two of us just started working on on the show we put it we put our thoughts down on paper we submitted we were one of the finalists and then we had to go to LA and um, do like a live pitch of our of our show okay. in front of um, a panel of judges, including Glenn Washington. Um, and at, and then we beat, we were one of the winners. Wow! Surprising both of us. <laughs> and once we won, we went through like I can't remember how long, like nine month or year long process where. Again, still working our, our respective jobs, um, we started putting together this episode um, or the show, like a first couple of episodes of what we think um, the show could sound like. Um, we had to produce a pilot to show the execs here um, to, so that they can green light or kill the project. Okay. And um, um, and then we, we put together, I believe, two episodes. The first episode was... Uh, ended up being our first episode of the show with like my coming out story of coming out again to my mom. And our second episode, I believe, was an interview with Lena Waithe, who wasn't as big as she is now. But she was so she was always so great about helping other like producers of color um, get things out there. Like she she said yes, like immediately. One of our first like guest bookings, which was just so amazing. Wow. And we've talked to her a couple of times since then, and she's always been so gracious about um, giving us her time. Uh, she's just a great person all around. 
Um, and we submitted those two episodes to WIC, and then they greenlit the show, and we've been making it ever since. Where did Nancy come from, the name of the show? Um, so that, the name of the show used to be called Gadio mm-hmm. because... We, Tobin loves puns. Yeah, <laughs> I see that. And um, uh, unfortunately, we believe it was uh, it's a sh- it's a show that exists in the UK, or it's like a internet radio station or something called Gadio. Okay. And also, we got the feedback that we didn't want to. It doesn't make sense to default to the word gay when, when we say we're going to cover the whole queer community. So we went through iterations of even more puns. Um, and other horrible names. But at one point, Tobin just got, like, super frustrated. And he's like, you know what? Let's just name it after a person. And I was like, okay, sure. Uh, what person? And he said that Nancy would be a good name because it used to be a slur for a gay man, like, back in the day. Okay. I think maybe mostly in the UK. I'm not actually sure. But he he, he explains this better than I do. But um, basically, his thought was... If you knew what Nancy meant, then you'll probably know what our show is about. And if you don't, it's just a weird show that's named after a person. Right, right. So it's like, like not as on the nose. Exactly. But if you know, you know. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Got it, got it, got it. So we went with that. Our EP at the time, Paul Schumann, loved it. And so we just went with Nancy. And, uh, you know, you pitched the show while you were living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So by being accepted by WNYC, you mean that you had to make the move to New York? I did not. I put it in my contract that I was living in L.A. We actually, like, <laughs> I think we pitched to them the idea that we were going to be, like, long-distance best friends. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and and that they just have to, like, at some point I just have to go into the studio to New York every once in a while to, to also make the show. Like, the good thing about making podcasts is that, you know, you don't need to film yourself doing anything. So... For the most part, as long as you have access to good internet connection, you have like good equipment, you can make this show from kind of anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so, like at the moment, Tobin's living in LA. He moved to LA over the summer, and now I live in New York, which is like a whole—it's like a whole weird thing that Tobin made happen. He he would disagree with that, but <laughs> uh, and we can and it, we're totally fine making the show because we talk every day. Um, we send things back and forth. It's it just it it works great. It's been working great ever since I was in LA and he was living in New York. Um, it I think it's yeah, it's great. What's it like? I'll, I always say with podcasting, it's an amazing way to rebrand yourself. Mm. Um, and to kind of become an influencer in a space because yeah. for some reason when you're talking a microphone about a particular topic, <laughs> you become an expert in the topic, <laughs> and everyone thinks of you as an expert in the topic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But what has it been like becoming a voice? Uh, of the queer community? I mean, it's both like, it's both, I mean, it's a few different things. It's exciting. It's terrifying. It's also very humbling um, just because like you think about all the people out there with so much knowledge and I'm the one that has to say something into a mic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's insane. Um, It's, I think I'm I'm leaning more into it. I used to be very very against um, being like a like a like a public person or like a personality, um, but nowadays I feel a little bit more comfortable in that role, mainly just from practice um, and having talked to 
the people who listen to the show. Like in in my world, if I were to just like shut myself in, uh, my imagining what our listener base is saying is always more negative than what people are actually saying. And so the more I talk to the people who listen to the show, the more I'm like, oh, like our show is really helping people um, connect with their family and friends and um, just themselves even that I feel, I feel good about doing what I'm doing. I still don't, I guess I still don't feel comfortable being like an actual personality because that's like, that's like, that's like a Jessica Williams, you know, that's like a, that's like a comedian with like training. And I don't, I don't, I still don't feel that. And I also don't sometimes feel like, like a, I went to J school type of reporter either. So I feel kind of like a little bit in the middle between being like a very, um, uh, blah, 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 like sophisticated comedian yeah. and a very schooled journalist and reporter. And sometimes I feel like I'm great at doing both. And sometimes, most of the time, I feel like I'm just somewhere stuck in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how's podcasting change, uh, change your life? Uh, it has 100% changed my life. I am now, like, way more into queer culture than I was before. I think before, I was sort of of the camp of people that's sort of like, I'm just like everybody else. Like, I'm a queer person, yes, but I am like everybody else. And I think that's totally fine. But I've since realized that like I am actually more comfortable and more happy um, being immersed in a culture where there's like some mutual understanding between like a group of people. Um, sometimes I feel like it's not unlike being an Asian person and hanging out with like your Asian friends. Um, having a queer space where you're not explaining what it is that you're talking about to other people just is it's comforting in a way that I didn't know that um, I wanted in my life. And now I seek out those spaces whenever I can. And and, and it's kind of sad that those spaces are sort of like shrinking and shrinking. Yeah. But I think it's the people of this generation and the next generation um, um, after us who will continue to keep these spaces open for queer folks as long as, you know, people aren't stomping them away. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like sometimes we're close to doing. Okay, Kathy, we're at a point in the show called mm. our podcasters picks. Great. And this is where, first of all, I, I adore you because you sent me the email. You were like, is there anything to be prepared for? And I'm like, yo, you're so professional. Oh, <laughs> always be producing. I, 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 <laughs> gotta make that into a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here at our podcasters picks where I asked uh, the guests of today's show to give me three podcasts that you love uh, and that we should be listening to and describe yeah. it. Okay, 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 okay. I love talking about other people's podcasts, so. OPP. OPP, yes. Okay, um, my very first one is I love, 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 love Reply All. Love Reply All. Love it. I came on to that late. I came on to that, like, literally, like, two months ago. Listen to the one um, about the the guy in the photograph. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, okay, okay. Um, So that's the first one. Second one is Death, Sex, and Money, a WNIC show okay. about death, sex, sex and, and money. money. <laughs> <laughs> it's hosted by Anna Sale, who is also like one of the loveliest people in the entire world. She, I don't know that she knows this, but I 
see her as like a hosting mentor and I tend to call her when I'm very emotional being like I don't know what to do about this yeah. and she's like okay here's the plan and, <laughs> and I'm like great so she's just the coach she just draws up the play yeah she is just such a good interviewer I feel like I listen to the show I intend to listen to the show to like pick up tips on how to interview people and yeah. how to do a better interview and I end up just getting sucked in and I forget why I was even <laughs> listening to it in the first place but and, I just I just love it and what makes a good interviewer to you She's so, well, I think it's, I think that her voice lends like a layer of empathy that is hard to communicate with words. I think the the timbre of her voice is very, is helpful in that, in that world. Wow, I want someone to say something nice about me like that. That was so Same. good. <laughs> that was, Same. That was good. It's <laughs> like, wow, that is, that touched me. Yeah. And I think because, because of that, she's able to ask the questions that are my, that might be difficult to ask. But doesn't kind of like, you know how like sometimes you'll ask a question because you know you have to ask it, yeah, and then yeah. you're just like you cringe like, because sorry. like yeah. yeah, she never needs to sound like that. She is just like very honest and open, and um, like if there's a way to say blunt without like the bluntness of the word blunt, yeah, blunt, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what she sounds <laughs> Le like. Blanc. Yeah, yeah, she can ask the questions. It's like well, though I do use um, Anna's show sort of as like a mm, like when i was in the dating world i'd be like do you listen to death sex and money <laughs> and then if you do do you like it because if you don't then there's no nothing more to say here right, right. It, it, it was like the gauge <laughs> exactly it was the gauge for date two <laughs> exactly exactly yeah hey, what's your what's your third third pick okay third pick um i was deciding between two okay so i might like do a half and half do a half and half okay. this okay you mix it i will say I love Ear Hustle. Have yes. you heard? Oh, Come on. So love, good. love Nigel, love Erlon. I think New York is doing a great job as, so the, as the next solid. host. It's just such a good show. Like, like I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's, it's podcast perfection. Yeah. And then the, when they announced that Erlon was going to keep working on the show after he got out of prison, yes. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to cry. Yes. I like I love that show. What's your other one? Um, the other one is I love 30 for 30. I love a sports show. Yes. And that's done so well. Especially recently, that series about um, Bikram was oh, so yes. good. Yeah. But I also watch their like their documentaries, and I really enjoy those, too. Kathy, we're here at the end of the show. Uh-huh. We, the, we've come to the end of the road. <sighs> Fine. Which is so sad. I feel like I'm, Fine. Like, I'm like really made a friend today. It's really amazing. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to keep in touch. <laughs> it's like, you know, text me later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll, I end the, the show with this question. Uh -huh. uh, why do you podcast? Mm, I guess it's, it would be not okay to say because Tobin made me do it. But... <laughs> <laughs> that works, too. I podcast because... Um, Here's the thing that I said to my therapist back in law school. I'm scared to be creative, but I feel like if I can just find the right medium, then then I can do, I can be creative. And I think when podcasting came along, I was like, oh my God, I think this might be my medium. And I think it's the only place where I felt comfortable enough to be creative and take the, take creative risks. Um, it's also the place where I'm like, ah, oh, creativity, what are you? But... It's been the only place I felt safe enough to be creatively, like, risky or just to be creative, which I think is something that every person can nurture a little bit of in their life.
Kathy, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And thank, thank you so you. much for welcoming me to WNYC Studios to do this interview. Thank it's you. so cool. Come back. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. This Come is hang so, out. This is so awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate you. I love Nancy. I love what you do. And I love what you do in the space. And I really appreciate you. Thanks, Corey. God bless. <laughs> we out. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Kathy Too. Be sure to check out her dope podcast, Nancy, and I'll provide the links to that in the description of this episode. This episode was mixed by Bradley Naiman. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And lastly, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And I'll be sure to provide the links for that in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless y'all. Till next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.